This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We've been talking a lot about the spring training Mariners and and this team and how they look and how they're put together and what they're built on, and it's their pitching. Their pitching has been their strength, remains their strength, and one of the biggest keys to that rotation is Logan Gilbert, who uh, does all kinds of work in the offseason. We watch his work ethic out there at spring training last year with his giant bag of toys out there, and I got a feeling this guy knows a thing or two about what's in that bag. Maybe he gave him all those toys. We'll find out. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline is the CEO of Florida Baseball Armory, Randy Sullivan. Randy, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Uh, you know, you've got such a strong connection to one of our favorite players to speak to on this team and Logan Gilbert, somebody you've worked with uh, for about a decade now. Before we get into who he is now, how did you – how did that connection happen back in, in, in 2014? Well, Logan started with us back in 2014. We were a really small outfit running out of a strip mall next door to my physical therapy clinic in about 900 square feet. And this big gangly teenager walked in, and he was already performing pretty well, had had a couple of looks. I guess he was 15 or 16 years old and had a couple of offers from some colleges. But if you know Logan, you know that if there's one thing he is, is, is honest and full of integrity, his whole family is. And what these people making offers didn't know is that he could only throw like an inning and then his elbow would start hurting. It was really good, but then they would take him out and he couldn't throw for another week. And so his family, his father, his mother, and he got together and decided it would be a little disingenuous, a little dishonest, if you will, for them to accept the scholarship and go to a program without being able to deliver what the school was expecting in full. And so that's the kind of guy he is. And so we got to work and the first mission was to get rid of his elbow pain. And we did that, took a few months. And next thing you know, he just started performing better. Um, just kind of took off and went to Stetson and had a wonderful career there. Um, was part of a pitching staff that was really elite and had a good run into the super regional there and then got drafted in the first round. And he's been coming back to us ever since, you know, every, every off season he's in there again, you know, Logan, he's the kind of guy that, that he has his routines and he's, and he's kind of assembled a, 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 an idea about how he wants to go about things. And it's unique, of course, and it's, it's different than most in the world. Around here, it's not different. A lot of guys do their own thing. We let them explore and find the things that work for them. And Logan has, has dove headfirst into that idea and kind of just tried things until he figured out what works for him. And, and there you have it. He is one of our most enjoyable uh, players, too. We just love being around him. Seattle is, is getting to know what we learned a long time ago. Logan is the kind of guy that when you're around this guy, he makes you want to be a better person. I mean, it's just not just baseball and everything. He's just the kind of guy that exudes joy. And, and he's just so pure and honest. And, and what you see is what you get. And, and uninhibited, unafraid, and really internally driven. Uh, his goals are, are you know, he, he's not worried about, you know, what other people think, what everybody else thinks. His goals are internally driven, and he wants to make an external uh, effect. He wants to help people improve their lives. And we just love having the guy around, and I'm so glad that you guys are getting to experience it. Yeah, Randy, this is just when I couldn't uh, think more highly of uh, of Logan. Because, you know, he's been kind of a regular that's come on our show, and we're just like, wow, this guy's a great dude. But to hear 
you know, that he thought it wasn't a good deal for, you know, the college that was going to give him a scholarship. That, that is, you know, that's not common. Uh, and yeah, just a very special guy. Tell us, uh, Randy, a little bit about, you know, what were you able to see right away? What was giving him pain? Was it body movement? Uh, how did you, how did you fix his problem? Yeah, we start out every single guy with a thorough. I'm a, I'm a physical therapist, so that comes in handy. Um, right. A thorough, meticulous physical evaluation. We want to get a we want to get a lay of like what their hardware, how they're made, and then we do a comprehensive video analysis. And we have you know, TrackMan data. And back then we didn't have all that, but now we do. Uh, ground force data, motion capture. We use a lot of technology, and then we put together this puzzle and go, all right, how is this guy made versus how is he moving? And with him the way he was constructed wasn't working with the way he was moving. And he was adding stress to his elbow, not using his lower half very well to, to take some of the stress off of his arm, um, really creating a lot of torque on his elbow. And, you know, it was headed down a road that we weren't really eager to get to. And he, to his credit, came in there, was humble, did the work and got better. And, uh, and it took off from there. Once it's amazing that once you're not hurting or your body doesn't feel the threat of pain, how well you can perform, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it was a matter of just kind of taking that multi-dimensional approach and going, okay, what can we do to get this guy moving, to, you know, better? And then it comes down to understanding, okay, how do we teach his body to move differently? You know, um, I think that's really the most valuable part is like a lot of people just, they use a lot of cognitive input, a lot of verbal cues and think about this and, and do this. And, and what we do is take a more subconscious approach and go, here's a bunch of things we want you to do. And then you start doing them, and then your body kind of changes subtly and subconsciously, and um, it kind of finds its own way. Every every single guy is a unique puzzle, and you know Logan's certainly a unique puzzle, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, required an individualized solution. And and it, and it has changed over here. Every year he comes back, and we keep working, and he just tries to add a little more. What I love about him, he's not satisfied. I mean, he could easily rest on his merits, and 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 go back and do the same thing again. He just continually wants to get better every single year. Well, and one of, one of the things that really stood out to me it, in us last spring training was watching his work ethic, watching this guy go out there before you'd see him before everybody. And he was literally the last person out there. Everybody was in and I assume showered and off to wherever they were going. And he'd still be going through the motions with whatever he was working on, walking around the baseball field in his bare feet. He's uh, you know, he, he just his work ethic was just absolutely unmatched and i'm I'm guessing that it sounds like that's how he was from the very beginning you didn't have to you didn't, you didn't <laughs> no have to surprise. goad him into working harder that is no surprise to us. he's the kind of guy we got to go Logan it's time to go home now right? <laughs> <laughs> right you know we have a lot of pros that come in and work in the off seasons and they kind of come in and go hey, I gotta bounce I gotta go do this with my family I gotta go do that Logan comes here and he's here four to five hours a day every day. His bullpens are epic. We just have to clear them out and go, all right, Logan, do your thing. I mean, he just sits over there and works and works and works, and then he does his physical workouts, his strength workouts. His, you know, you've seen him shaking his water bags around and things like that, and that's all stuff that, that he has a routine. And, you know, you'll see some guys in the offseason kind of, like, skip out on some things. Logan never misses. Like, no matter what is on the plate for that day, he's going to do it all. I have, a, I have a really cool story. In the offseason, Scott Service came to just, I guess he was just making a tour and checking on all the pictures and everything. And he came down here and he wanted to watch Logan throw his bullpen. So Logan warmed up and he threw his bullpen and it went really well. And Scott was really pleased with all the progress he was making. And then he took him out to lunch. So we made a few recommendations about local restaurants to go to 
And we thought, okay, that's it for Logan today. He's going to do his bullpen and, and punch and go eat lunch with the manager. Well, he did. He went and ate lunch with the manager, and then he came trolling back into trolling back into the to the armory and got the rest of his work in after having a lunch appointment with his manager. Like, no, who does that? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just he knew that he had to get his work in, and so he came back. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, Randy, are you aware of the, the and maybe you got him started, I don't know, but his bag of tricks. We're talking about uh, how every year it gets bigger, and, you know, he always says, uh, everybody knows my goofy, you know, um, repertoire that I, that I do. But uh, tell us about some of those things and some of the, the different, because I'd never seen anybody with, I see guys throwing footballs a lot, but, you know, yeah, I never saw absolutely. anybody with that kind of a, a warm-up program. Do you, um, did you get him started with that, or is that something that he just sort of came about on his own? No, we kind of introduced things to him. Like, we have a giant toolbox full of things for guys to try and do, and, and every guy finds his own way, the things that work for him. But, you know, the the genesis of the Armory is that, we were attracting a lot of guys that, that the baseball world had kind of rejected or given up on, you know. And what we realized is that the status quo, the way everyone else was training, wasn't working for a large portion of players that could be performing better if they had a different approach. So we kind of dug into the movement science. How, how do people learn to move? Uh, how, does the, how do we teach the body to coordinate these movements well? What is the best way for each player to move? And we kind of learned a lot along the way. And some of these tools are designed to just – have him subconsciously learn to nudge his body toward better movement without having to think about it so much. Like, for example, uh, you probably see him throw that, that club that looks like a German stick grenade. Um, that, that tightens up his arm action without ever having to think about it. He has that connection ball that he uses where he puts that little uh, yellow ball between his uh, biceps and forearm just to kind of give him a guide to the arm path that's more efficient for him. Um, the aqua bags and the water ball things, what we find is that when we use unpredictable loads instead of, you know, the traditional uh, metal weights and cables and things like that, when the load is unpredictable, the body's forced to coordinate the movement and to stabilize in a much better way. And we can simulate this high-speed action that you get in pitching with those kind of devices when we use unpredictability as a load rather than weight. Because if you put weight on it, you can only move it so fast, right? And so when we use the, the unpredictability of the water in the thing, the shaking around, the body has to learn to stabilize that. And we can put those in planes of motion and exercise experiences that mimic pitching movements more precisely and help him get a better return on his training time. And so he's been exposed to a lot of it. And, you know, we write him a comprehensive plan every year. He goes off with an app on his phone every day. He wakes up and looks at his app and he knows every, every item, what he's supposed to do. And then, the thing about him is what we've learned over the years is that, you know, imagine you started out with a training plan in April and you did that exact same thing every single day for the rest of the season. Well, pitchers are, they get like that. They get really routine oriented and really superstitious about things. But what we've found is that when guys do the same thing every day for the whole season in preparation to throw their body sort of accommodates to the stimulus and it gets bored and it doesn't have the same effect anymore. So what Logan will do is every month or so he'll call us, and he'll say, hey, I've been doing these same exercises for about a month now. You guys have some other things I can do. So we know what the goal of the exercises was. Now what we have to do is find different ways to get the same result using a different stimulus. And so that's why he keeps that big bag of tricks in there. It's for the variability in the training so his body doesn't get stale and of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Well, I think you just hit on what I was going to ask you, and that is as you introduce new 
gadgets or whatever you want to call them, does he eliminate one of the others? The bag only seems to be getting bigger, and maybe he's just going to need another bag. I don't know. But uh, don't, is it just all-inclusive, or does one get eliminated after a while and he brings in something new? I think what it does is he, he cycles them. Like, he'll do something for a little while, and then he'll leave that thing in his bag for a while, and he'll choose other things, other toys to play with that have the same result, and then he'll come back to those other ones. So he carries everything around, so he has options. But he doesn't necessarily do everything in the bag every single day. What what, what was the uh, – he he was wearing something that looked like a giant oven mitt. Uh, oh, that's the training sock, yeah. The training yeah. sock. What, what, what does that yeah. do? Oh, that's the thing we invented here, okay? So um, we we came up with this idea probably 2014, okay? What you realize is that when – when you throw a baseball, the muscles on the back of the shoulder surrender like a guy losing the tug of war, right? And they should be holding the shoulder in the socket, but now the socket's trying to fly off toward the hitter, right? The arm's trying to fly off to the hitter. And so we needed some way to, re- to have a, a better, more specific way to train those muscles to stay on all the way through the motion so they don't give up too early. Because when they give up early, the biceps is left alone to, to resist all that movement, and that affects the labrum and the elbow, the UCL. And so we, do, we, we developed this training device called a training sock. Um, and what we do is we use a, a seven-ounce weighted ball, and we throw the ball into the end of the sock, and the sock is about four inches away from the end of the hand. The ball hits the sock. There's still a stimulus there, so the muscles on the back of the shoulder have to stay on, and we train them to be active at the most vulnerable point in the motion at the point where it needs to be on. And so it takes the stress off the shoulder. We use it on recovery days. We use it like the day after he throws. Mm. Um, it's, it presents – the same intensity of a throw with about maybe a half of the, of the stress. And so we use it on recovery days to reorganize tissue and just keep things moving in the right direction and keep training those muscles to do their job and keep, keep the head of the humerus in the socket and stabilize his arm. And so it's a pretty cool tool. It looks funny, um, but it's <laughs> yeah. been really successful over the years, really successful. Uh, so um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty neat. And, and it's been a really valuable tool. We use it a lot of different ways. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he's embraced uh, that it's funny looking. He he kind of likes that. We feel like, but um, hey, Randy, tell us. Uh, so, was he one of your first Major League Baseball uh, guys to to come in? Or I know he started when he was very young. But like, do you have yeah. have you built your your business as far as uh, the rest of uh, Major League Baseball or college pitchers? Yeah, we've had we've had tons of Major League. Look, we didn't start with Major Leaguers. We start with a bunch of guys everybody kind of gave up on. Hmm. But our guys, you know, when we first started, everybody thought it was weird and we were heretics and radicals. And, you know, in some arenas, you'd have thought we hated babies and wanted puppies to die or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but as our players got better and better, they kind of kicked the door of resistance down to where now we work with nearly every single major league team. And we have players in every major league organization, multiple, multiple big leaguers. I mean, Lots of guys. There's a there's a Netflix documentary about a guy named Chen Ming Wong, Taiwan's greatest superstar ever, that we helped get back into the big leagues after he'd been out with a bunch of injuries, and that's pretty cool. That was a lot of fun, and so we've worked with lots of big leaguers, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi. We had a, we had a little stint with Justin Verlander and others, and um, you know we work with several big leaguers right now. Major league pitching coaches are here constantly watching us work with their players. You know, mostly the guys that. There, there are some guys who have been with us for a long time that, that come in every year and kind of kind of reboot. And then there are others who kind of hit a wall and need some help, and we kind of help them kind of get back to where they're going and get to a higher level. So it's been it's been really fun. It's it's It started out as not a bunch of elite players, but what happened is as our players began to kick that door, now we began to attract more and more players. So it's pretty cool. 
Well, have you had anybody come in as a result of Logan, whether they want to work with you or whether they just want, you know, one of the one of the gadgets he uses, if you will, the the the, the sock and all that stuff? Has, has he personally oh, directed anybody amazing. there? He, he's amazing. When he was in college, he had a guy who's a AAA pitcher for the um, for the uh, Atlanta Braves named Brooks Wilson, and another guy named Jack Perkins who was in AAA with the Phillies until he recently retired, but they had a, they had a staff. All three guys were students of ours and they were the, the Friday, Saturday and Sunday guys at Stetson and were really good. And so, you know, when guys see other guys doing well and they find out what they're doing, then yeah, a lot of other players kind of are attracted to that and want to know what it's about. And they come in and, you know, not all of them stick, but a lot of them go, Hey, I really like this. Let's do this. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's amazing, Randy. When you look at um, some of the, I, we even had a pitcher. I'm trying to remember his name, but he was like, you know, when you look at a, a still shot of what pitchers are doing to their bodies. I mean, you're basically turning, yeah. you know, your arm into a whip, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, it's just. The amount of stress and everything that it goes through, uh, it it feels like in the last like even 10 years that, you know, as far as all the technology, the, you know, the surgeries have gotten much, much better. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as, um, you know, training for that kind of stuff, the kinds of things that you do um, has just taken off, uh, it seems like in uh, in the last, what, 10 or 15 years. Is that your experience? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back when we first started, there were other other outfits that started around the same time and we were all kind of the outcasts and and if you were in that inner circle and this is the way we've always done things then you can do it and, and it was sort of a survivorship bias. like whoever could make it through the system made it to the highest level and we realized that man when you really dig in and find out how the body should move and how it should work and you know having this medical background and understanding anatomy was really helpful and then digging into this deep dive into the science of skill acquisition and motor learning i think of I think I've written now going on my 10th book about this stuff. And by just researching it and learning it well enough to write about it, you kind of come up with a lot of great ideas that, that we can help our players uh, implement. And, you know, and not everybody's everything, but, you know, everybody's on their own plan. I always like to say we're not making cheeseburgers and widgets. We have to build them one at a time. You can, there's no assembly line for this. You have to just go, all right, let's look at each guy, like this priceless work of art that he is, and let's try to get him better than they were when they came in. And so, yeah, the training has really, when people ask me, why are guys throwing so hard now? I think the training is much better. Yeah. Um, even seasoned major leaguers are not doing the old shut it down for three months and try to use spring training to ramp up. The conditioning is much better. The strength programs, the coordination programs, the, the how to, how to really coordinate the body to do this thing that, that they're doing has improved so much. And, you know, on the other hand, the risk of injury has increased accordingly. I mean, the harder you throw, the more, the more difficult it is to mitigate that. And so what we try to do is do our very best to make sure that first we manage the pain or the threat of pain. And so we try to get our guys there as healthy and safe as we can. Everyone understands that the only safe pitch count is zero, but you gotta, you gotta start there. You gotta start with that pain and go, all right, how do we keep this guy? How do we play the long game here and get lasting results that we can do without unreasonably increasing the risk of injury? Tenth book, man, I can't believe you still have that much to say. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, my brain kind of acts where it never stops. And so I keep coming up with, you know, everything you learn, you learn, you, you realize, okay, I just opened up this can. Now there's more in here I got to go learn. And so I just keep digging in and finding more and more about human movement. We've, we've learned a lot by looking laterally to other sports like football, basketball, tennis. You know, how do people move? And it turns out that pitching is just another form of agility and the movement principles are the same in every single sport. And 
when you learn to apply that, it kind of simplifies the approach. You can go, look, we don't have to worry about the details of individual mechanics because if you look at major leaguers, they all do it a little different. But when you zoom out from the details, you realize there's some things that everybody does that are the same, and those are the same things that happen in football and tennis and rugby and soccer and hockey. And so we kind of just zoom out from the details and train those universal principles and let the body organize itself to whatever it needs to do for that particular person. He's the CEO of Florida Baseball Armory, works with and uh, has worked with Logan Gilbert for the past decade. Randy Sullivan has been our guest here with Wyman and Bob. Randy, a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. Great talking to you guys. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Thanks, Randy. There you go again. Randy Sullivan, who is the CEO of the Florida Baseball, capital A, capital R, capital M, small o, small r, small y. You know, I love hearing stories like that of how, you know, he started off just as a, a trainer, basically, physical therapist, and then just developed this whole, you know, industry. And, you know, it's 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 really important because, like I said, uh, I'm trying to remember who the pitcher was. I think it was Randy Johnson. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you've seen those pictures of a bunch of different pitchers the, where the they're, they're mid-throw where the, the hand is kind of behind the ear, but the elbow's out in front, and it looks like it's about to explode yeah 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 oh, i've seen man. a million of those pictures they're just it doesn't look good it, it, it when you see him you go oh i get why that's that's not if but when they get hurt no exactly yeah, yeah. so and you know just the pitching you see the velocity going up and you know you, you see that there's a fair number of guys that are throwing triple digits now and yeah. that used to be such a rarity so yeah very uh very cool industry that he's uh he's started there and you know Logan, you know, again, we we talk glowingly about him, but there's a reason for that. That that blew me away when I read that story this morning. That he just was like, I'm I'm struggling with you know accepting their scholarship offer because I don't think it would be a good deal for them. I mean, what what seven? I mean, what did he say he was? Was well, it 2014? So he was like 17, 16? 16, I think. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's 26 now. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you, did you see the uh, the the letter that uh, Logan's dad mm-hmm. wrote to to Randy? Just how how much he appreciated everything that he's done for him. So what a what a cool story! All right, coming up, there's one NFL quarterback that would uh, has his eye on a couple of titles in the next five years, and it's not Patrick Mahomes. We'll get into what that is coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Getting a little breakdown on the history of Logan Gilbert in previous segment there. In case you're just tuning in, Randy Sullivan, who's the CEO of Florida Baseball Armory, where Logan's been going for about a decade now and working on his game, his arm, his flexibility, his durability, and all those contraptions that he's got. That big bag of toys, as he says, everybody knows I do weird stuff. So we gotta have <laughs> all of him, it coming uh, from there. We got to have him bring it up to the to the desk this year. The bring, bag, the bag, and just you know, I'm I'm seriously, I, I'm curious just to see what the different. I am too. Things. I'm just wondering if he gets tired of hearing about it because it's been it's sort of like DK talking about his physique. He, remember, yeah. he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, like oh, poor him. I know. You want to talk about how ripped I am? I'm kind of tired of it, but okay. Yeah, I, I get that all the time. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you really, do. It can be annoying. Dave, take your shirt off. No, not again. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's too cold. Uh, all right. Meanwhile, I saw this uh, this uh, clip of Russell Wilson 
on the I Am an Athlete podcast, I guess. Is that a podcast? Is that what that is, Lefko? Yeah, Brandon Marshall hosted. Yeah. Uh, so there was a little video element that, that I saw to it. But um, he seems like he's, uh, you know, he Russell always says the right thing publicly. He's always... He's always very motivated, very positive, regardless of the circ. It's almost like he's not aware of the circumstances, the way he talks. But um, says he's uh, hope he's looking at two titles in the next five years. I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I want to win two. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. You know, I, I love the city and everything else, but you know, you also want to be a place that, that wants you too. So, the thing that I I, I want to do is, is, is win. That's all, that's all I care about. Do you think he wants to be there? Do you think he wants to continue to work with Sean Payton? I don't know, man. That didn't seem to be that seemed to be a bit of a combustible relationship. It sure looked bad on the outside. That's for sure. This the stuff that we saw. Yeah, that to me is still one of the more strange things. And by the way, they traded a first and a second for him mm-hmm. for Payton. Yeah. Oh, to bring yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't just the the stuff that we got, but um, yeah, I don't. I'm curious about that. The first thing that went through my mind though is like, okay, is his agent at work again? Here, is he telling him to say this kind of stuff? Or I don't know. I think we found out pretty for sure that we all thought Russ was corny in the beginning and thought mm-hmm. that like, this isn't really who he is. He's just saying things, but then you start to realize that like, yeah, that's really him. He yeah. really does think that way. And he expresses himself that way. So um, yeah, it'll be, this is a very interesting story in the NFL. And, you know, I always say, you know, you don't all of a sudden just become a crappy player. Would you want to go back there if you were him? He was playing well last year. I'm not saying he was the best quarterback in the league, but he was he was, okay. he was in the top ten in the majority of the of the uh, yeah. categories there. Whether you want to look at completion percentage, touchdowns, touchdown interception ratio, I mean, he was his quarterback rating. He was playing with the team was not great, but he individually was was playing decidedly better than he did the year before. Yeah, and then that's when they came to him to to bench him. Very strange. Very strange. This is a, a great soap opera sort of happening on the side just because, especially since, I mean, he's he's the best quarterback in Seahawk, probably Seahawk history. I mean, no, oh, I don't think it's close. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't think it's close. You got Matt Hasselbeck was pretty important, took him to a Super Bowl, didn't win it. But yeah, it's a, I'm very curious to see what happens with him. I like him. I mean, I know the way that he left was, was, pretty bad but um yeah to me i I wish him luck i mean if he's in our division not so much but eh, my old team the broncos i just i just feel like there's no way he could go back there i don't i don't see how that works i don't it it feels like that that bridge is burned is what it looks like they've got the 12th overall pick by all accounts they're looking quarterback i mean every you know take the mock drafts for what they're worth we've been going through them and to me that's fun i don't i don't say, well, this one's got this guy going to the Seahawks, so that's who they're going to take. I mean, it's just kind of interesting to see everybody's perspective, but the majority that I've seen with the Broncos have them going with a quarterback, either moving up in some cases, taking J.J. McCarthy, uh, you know, if he's going to go at 12, okay. But, you know, quarterback seems to be what most are predicting. Doesn't mean that's what will happen, but we'll see. One more from Russell. Um, He was explaining what happened with the Broncos wanting him benched. So we beat Green Bay, Kansas City. We beat them. As you mentioned earlier, that's when I got that call, and I was like, I'm confused what's going on. 
And I didn't believe it at first. I was like, this, this can't be real. And I got that call that, hey, we're going to bench you for the next nine games if you, know, you don't change your injury guarantee. So for me... But, but be clear here, they, it's, it's not, they don't want to bench you because of play. They're saying they're benching you because they want you to take out the injury guarantee. Yeah, they want they yeah they want to re- push back my injury guarantee and remove it for that rest of the year. So that way, if I get injured, that they don't have to pay it. I didn't want to set a precedent for players to remove their injury guarantees, too, as well. And so it, it, it was it was no way I was going to do that. And so when they said that hey, we're, we're going to bench you, we're going to bench you, I said, all right, that's what you want to do. Hmm. Yeah, what a strange situation there. Well, be, and, I mean, wouldn't the NFLPA have a say in this? I mean, that f- almost feels like that's yeah, that's not legal within their rules. Like, you, how are you going to tell them you have to change the contract you signed or you're not playing? Yeah. Because if you get hurt, we don't want to pay you? That, I, that doesn't feel right at all. No, it doesn't. Um, we were talking about something very similar to that before the show started. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just – his ability to go and make a living. But, um, yeah, you know what's funny about that? I Sean McVay, I remember the look on his face when he finally had had enough with Jared Goff. They were playing a playoff game, the Rams were, and, you know, this obviously is the year before he went to Detroit. And you could just see he was, like, shaking his head, just like, get away from me, I'm I'm done with you. And I don't even know what it was. It wasn't, like, a terrible game, but it was probably something that happened between them. It's the same look you saw from Sean Payton with with Russ. He he was just he seemed to be just done with him. So if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be too excited to go back and be in a, a Bronco uniform with with the way Payton was, you know. And I thought it was BS the way that he was treating him too. Just mm-hmm. you know, it's it. He's a professional. He deserves at least some level of respect. And when you see a guy, you know, screaming at a guy on the sidelines and just the way he's treating him. I, I actually I felt bad. I felt bad for Russ, and it actually kind of angered me. Yeah, it was, you know, listen, if you've got issues, he's, he's doing something on the field you you're, that's driving you nuts or whatever, whatever was going on, I get in the heat of the moment you're going to say something, but maybe behind closed doors is where you really blow up. I mean, he just lit him up on the sidelines, and I don't know if it's to Russ's credit or if you there was part of me going, fire back at him, man, because he, yeah. he didn't, you didn't see his mouth move. He just sat there listening, just like, all right. Well, he didn't even yeah. offer a resistance. Remember when I was like, punch him. Yeah. <laughs> Kick him in the. <laughs> uh, yeah. We kind of saw that from uh, Tom Brady. And I know everybody was like, oh, Tom Brady is a diva. But, you know, it was Joshy boy, Josh yeah. McDaniels, that was saying stuff to him on the sidelines. And you never know that that might have been warranted, actually. And I actually, if you, I think they were in Buffalo, the, the Patriots were when that happened, that blow up. And. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that's what <laughs> Russ needs to do with Sean Payton. Like, but you know, seriously, not so much that. But you've got to have an understanding or some kind of an agreement with your coach that, like, hey, I'll do what you want, but you can't do that anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, just entirely blowing me up in front of everybody. Well, and I'm wondering where he. I, I again, I will be to me the least likely place is Denver, even though technically he's their quarterback. I just don't see how that works. So I'm wondering where he is next year, and is he? Could you see him accepting a role as a backup somewhere? I, I don't, I don't see yeah. it, but may, maybe he would. I don't know. I don't. That's well, I another don't one that wouldn't feel right either. I don't think he's a backup quarterback in this no. league. I mean, you look at the top, the 32 quarterbacks. I mean, he he's a starter somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. What? Hmm. 
it is it is going to be an interesting saga to follow. What do you think would have happened if he would have stayed here? I mean, I, I I think for sure he would have he would not have had the the you know the the games that he had in Denver. But I'm just curious if maybe the way they were coaching him here and you know kind of letting him. I mean, he kind of went outside of the the coaching box, sort of right. Like he he decided he was going to be his own. Like he knew what was best, and he mm-hmm. had his own people that he brought in, and you know. And I'm just got too comfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, it was that, or maybe he just needed to stay in his lane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very strange phenomenon because, again, like I said, I, he just all of a sudden was was not good. And and it wasn't just his numbers. I remember that, that first year when he was in Denver, Troy Aikman and, you know, um, uh, Tony Romo and, you know, all the guys that played quarterback, they were like you would hear these comments during the game where they're like, I have no idea what he's doing. Yeah. I, you know, why would he throw this or that or – Whatever, and so there was a lot of criticism of his uh, of his skills at that point. Yeah, and it, it actually started out well. I mean, he his first game was against the Seahawks, and he threw over th- for three hundred yards. And yeah, remember they he he played well in that game. They ended up losing because I think their guy they had a couple of key fumbles inside the red zone. But yeah, it looked like oh boy, he's gonna he's gonna light it up for this team, and it that may have been his best game of the year. Yeah. All right, coming up, always a great part of our Mondays to find out what's bugging everybody. What's bugging Bob? Coming up. With Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. What's Bugging Bob presented by Issaquah Pest Control and sticking with tradition, let's open things up with our guy, Matt Nelson, a.k.a. the Board Weasel. Uh, <laughs> it's me, the Board Weasel. I say that with with all due respect, and, and one of our listeners has made it kind of cool. They came, up, they came up with a shirt. They came up with a whole design, which I showed you guys, and now it, apparently he's turned it into a shirt. I'm going to have to get one of those. Well, I, I've never heard Matt burst into laughter like that when he was called the board weasel. It's a pretty funny phrase. Yeah. You got to give it up. That's a good one. The 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 picture that he came up with, and I don't know how to say his name on there. Can you? Any, no, any, I don't think I do either. It's not like, it. it's not, it's, it feels like one of these. Too uh, many consonants or? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's probably easier than it looks, but how would you say that, Matt? I I don't know. How do you spell well, his first give name? Give it a shot. S I G N O R E, Signor. Okay, but it's also probably Italian, and I'm butchering it. Maybe the so the G silent. Signore. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a soft G. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure, but he, yeah, he came up with a very. Uh, he made the board weasel look pretty cool. Pretty and cool. Got like some work. glowing eyes, and you got <laughs> the funny thing. He's got a he got a shirt in the picture. It says Star Wars, and then there's the words. Pew, pew, pew on there. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a picture in the back of you and I, Dave, like mm-hmm. on a computer screen that's a little fuzzy. And then it looks like on the shirt, w- you and I didn't make the cut. It's just Matt. Oh, yeah. The board yeah. weasel. I'll, I'll retweet it on, the board on, weasel. <laughs> on my Twitter. It's it's pretty cool looking. You guys are going to, this is very creative. I'll uh, retweet it at Bob Stelton. You guys can check it out. This is. What should, what should we call Taylor Jacobs? The shoe master? The shoe master. Or I just called him a genius. 
uh, I had a squeaking thing going on with my shoe. And and Taylor, he, he pretty much knows something about everything. You know? <laughs> he, he weighs in on most things, yeah. Yeah. And so um, he, yeah, I was talking about like a, a hernia, and he's like, yeah, I got a hernia here, you know, showed me the scar, and then <laughs> it was on his belly button, by the way, so in case anybody thought Taylor took his pants down. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but yeah, so what he did was, um, my, my shoe was squeaking, he's, he's like, there's moisture in there. And so what you need to do is take off the insole and then put some, you know, like baby powder in there. So he brings me the gold bond, and I... I Thinking, I'm very skeptical at this point. Going, no way. There, there's no way that's what this is. Okay, but hang on. Before you continue, why would you be skeptical of all things that Taylor yeah. weighs in on? You know, he's the king of tennis shoes. Well, I kind of do. I've heard you have countless conversations yeah. with him about shoes. So yeah, I guess I, I sort of knew that. But yeah, he just fired that right up, and I'm like, no way. Sure enough, it worked. And I told him he's a genius. He's like, well, when it comes to shoes, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. He's well, I mean, you've left proof of that, too. Um, apparently, there's some residue in the other room. Oh, there's powder? Yeah. <laughs> you got your mark, Overzealous with yeah. the, uh, the gold bond. So. He's, he's the OG sneakerhead. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, was there anything bug- bugging you? or Have you heard of the Citizen app? Is that the one where you find out about the crimes and you're, that are close to you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I've it's, heard of it. It has made me an incredibly nosy neighbor in a way that I never have been before. But some of the alerts you get on it are absolutely fascinating. Last week in Lower Queen Anne, there was a man with a sword spotted, which I'm just fascinated <laughs> just by. running around with a sword. Mm-hmm. And then earlier today, I got an alert that there was a man stuck in a porta potty. <laughs> that poor guy. Oh, so is he the one that sends that alert out? Like, hey, help! I'm in a porta potty. Maybe Somebody. he doesn't have anyone else that can come. Because I'm thinking, if somebody were there to post it, how come you're not opening the door for him? <laughs> you're just posting it. But before this app, though, I was never very nosy. I just didn't know what was going on. And now I feel like I'm too informed. Yeah. And every time there's an alert, I have to look and be like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? What's going on in this area? You need to tell our guy, Adam Ray, that story because he's got a whole bit in his, his set about his wife being on Citizen App. And Yeah, I don't want to know. I really don't. <laughs> you don't want to know what's yeah. happening around you? No. Dave, I will pay you five American dollars if you can download an app to your phone in the next five minutes. Oh. <laughs> Any what, app? If, what if Wyman's the problem? Like on the Citizen App in your neighborhood. They're all complaining about you. <laughs> They're big arrows pointing to his house. Yeah. Uh, lost my temper a couple of times. <laughs> I've been there for 20 years. <laughs> By the way, somebody naming Taylor the Shuru. The Shuru. I like it. How about that? Very nice. Shoe guru. There you go. Uh, what about you, Lefko? Uh, general weather teasing of fake spring. You know, it was nice. It was like 55 degrees last week, and now, what, we're in the 30s? It's snowing. Yeah. Did it snow at your house? Is that what you're saying, Wyman? Yeah, it was a little yeah. bit. And then the power went out up yeah. there because if anybody farts on the plateau, it, you know, the power goes out every single time. So, so your power is always out there. It was out yesterday. So I am really super happy, though, because the guy across the street, he has a generator. So one of the nice things when the power goes out, it's so damn quiet. 
right? Except for the, the guy across the street with the generator that he gets his power and everything. And I'm not jealous of it or anything. I <laughs> it kind sounded of, like that. He gets his power. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it sounds like a tank is coming up the street. And it's just very annoying. And they went and put solar panels on their roof. And so now I guess they have stored up uh, electricity and they don't, they don't run it anymore. So I'm super happy mm. about that. Because that, that was the one thing, like when it would snow or whatever, you're like, oh, it's so nice and quiet when the power goes out. So you had snow at your house? No, it was just, when I left today, it was just barely sticking mm. to the window. But Because no. it, it dumped. I sent you guys pictures of West Seattle, was it two weeks ago? Yeah. And it, you guys didn't get any. <laughs> Nobody else seemed to get any. And cars are covered by me. And it didn't last very long, but it was it was kind of a downpour for a bit. Yeah, and now what? Stevens Pass has gotten slammed with some snow, so... It's there. It's coming. Yeah, I mean, coming. it was cold this morning, which is not fun. I wish I would wait to, to snow like March 10th. That's what we've been saying. When we leave. Yeah. So we go down to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Watch. The week we're gone, it's going to be like 68 degrees and sunny every day we're here, and we might get a little rain down there. You never know. You never know. Well, we, we got it last year. So yeah. uh, so that just the weather, Lefko, that's it? It's Yeah. It's, you know, when you think spring is here, my activities, you know, they're all outdoor activities. So pickleball, paddleboarding, all those sorts of things. And I thought maybe I could get there soon, but no. Back to indoor stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, why is pickleball not inside? It, it is. It's just tougher to play. Uh, less courts available. Everyone takes them up. Mm. You got to play at like six in the morning. So it's just mm. kind of when you're still out before you go to sleep, Bob. Oh, yeah, that's very, very true. Very true. Uh, 415 said, how did Bob's fart come back, not land better? It was genius. LOL. You didn't hear it. You said anytime on, somebody on the plateau farts, the power goes out. So I said, your power's out a lot, huh? <laughs> miss that. Sorry. <laughs> Just went right over Dave's head. Uh, along those lines, 253 <laughs> says, based on Matt's complaint, it was probably Wyman stuck in the toilet. <laughs> We coaxed one of my buddies in high school to run over a porta potty one time with his dad's station wagon. Oh, really? Yeah, and this is back when they were made of wood. And so, you know, I don't know, we were out in the middle of somewhere and I think probably enjoying some cold beverages. And, Pretty certain uh, there was nobody in there at the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we were like, go, go. And he, like, you know, he succumbed to the peer pressure and ran his car into his a dad's porta car? potty. Yeah. What a big do. old station wagon. And then when we got back, his dad came out and we all ran. What did it do to the car? Was Dented it? the hell out of the oh. front of it. Yeah. Imagine one of your kids doing that. Kendall or Jake oh, say, yeah. well, my friends told me it would be funny if yeah, I did we're this. we're like, go, 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 go. And so he hits the gas. We hit that thing at like 30 miles an hour and just exploded. Blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the remains on the hood and the windshield and everything. It was really nasty. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Coming up. Uh, I don't the, know why I brought that up. The stage is out of the porta potties. It was yeah. in the combo anyway. Uh, stage is set for the Mariners to potentially make one more move this offseason. We'll weigh in on what that could be. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.